0: So now take your Bible if you would, to Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8, because this is a Bible preaching church. And we believe in the Bible as the Word of God from cover to cover Genesis 1 1 to Revelation chapter 22, in the last verse. We believe it's inspired by God, preserved of God. We, believe, we happen to believe the King James Bible is the best Bible there is in English. We believe God has specifically blessed the King James Bible. You say, there's words in there I don't understand. There's only 40 of them. And those can be easily learned. And But it's worth learning those 40 words. I know we don't say thee and thou anymore, but we probably should. But we don't say thee and thou. But that, it's just, there's a richness to the language that you just can't reproduce. And I've read in the New American Standard Bible, I've read it five times through, I read the NIV through a couple times. I've read... Various versions through as a pastor, you know, I need to be educated in a lot of different directions. And so I've spent the time reading those. And I can tell you there's nothing like the King James Bible. I have um, my it was good enough for my mother and father when they got saved. It was good enough for my grandparents when they got saved. 400 years God has blessed that book. And I tell you what, I'm going to stick with what works. I'm going to stick with what God's blessed. Now, you may have another version here today and do that, but you have the right to be wrong. We won't persecute you. I mean, Abdiel may be reading a Spanish Bible. I don't have a clue. You know? In times like these, we need a Savior. In times like these, We need an anchor. Be very sure. Oh, be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips a solid rock. And that rock is Christ Jesus. He's the one. I hope you know him. I have no idea what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Born-again believers, we're delivered from fear. I said last week, preached the whole time about it. fear. We're delivered from fear. I refuse to give in to fear. I liked what Brother uh, Strange said this morning. In fact, I liked everything he said, Brother. Uh, brother Strange, he, uh, <clears throat> he was talking about politics a little bit. I never do that. But Brother Strange was talking a little bit about, you know, the next four years, may God may allow this next four years to happen just to show us how good we had at the previous four years. And then the next election, somebody conservative would get in. You know how that works, right? Sometimes you got to know what you don't want before you know what you want. And God has ways of doing that. He'll show you. I don't know what he's doing, but I know he's doing it. There is no power but of God. We know that for sure. We know it. We, can, we, we put our life on it. Amen. This verse here is comforting to me and I want to share it with you. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth and the Hubble, Telescope has kind of given us an idea how far that is. So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I think that's pretty clear. If you try to figure God out, you're going to get, first of all, you're going to be wrong. You're going to be frustrated. It, it, it's 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 crazier than what I'm just this example I'm going to give you. Actually, trying to figure it out, is crazier than what I'm going to tell you. It'd be like a little wheelbarrow. What's he three years old? Wheelbarrow trying to his dad just turned twenty eight years old, and it'd be like wheelbarrow telling his dad or thinking he knows his dad, like he's got him all figured out. Come on, a three year old, don't have a clue about a 28-year-old. And it's bigger than that when we go to God and say, well, I don't think he did right. I don't think he should have done that. I mean, like, you got to ask yourself, who are you that you wouldn't be an instructor to God? Because to be an instructor to someone, you have to be above them. Meaning, you don't go to your auto mechanic if he doesn't know anything about auto mechanics. But because he knows a lot about auto mechanics, mechanics, he instructs you to get your wallet out. (laughs) And you listen because you like those wheels. You like to be able to go to and fro, you know. It's a frustrating thing to try to figure God out, but I see it, I see people doing it on a regular basis. Humanly speaking, the Bible says it's impossible. Deuteronomy 10.14 says, Behold the heaven, and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, and the earth also with all that is therein. First Kings 8.27 says, But will God indeed dwell on earth? Behold the heaven, and the heaven of heavens. That's where Hubble's looking cannot contain thee, much less this house that I have built. Nehemiah 9.6 Thou, even thou, art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all the things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein. Think how much is in the sea alone. And thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worshipeth thee. I did, years ago, endeavored to have a saltwater aquarium. It is an educational process. I said, I'm going to have a saltwater aquarium. And so I went and bought a 55-gallon aquarium, which is a little too small, by the way. And I bought the various salt. Sea salt, by the way, you can you could you could make you can make a saltwater aquarium on a regular salt, and you, ha- you got to get the specific gravity. And first of all, you got to learn what specific gravity is. Then you get the specific gravity of the salt and water mixture right, and you mix it, and you put your fish in there, and all their skin will come off, and scales fall off, and they're unhealthy and die. That's because you mixed it out of regular salt. What you don't know is that in sea salt there are 99 trace elements minerals and various things in sea salt that the fish have to have for their skin to be right and all of their complexion to be right and so you decide after you kill that first batch of fish that you next time you're going to use sea salt and you're going to read a little bit more and then you begin to test it and all that other stuff what i learned is I could go down to the beach. Now I would have this specific gravity meter, and I'd take a little of the sun. And ten, I think, it was, I can't quite remember. Ten point three five or something, and that would be maybe this. Let's just say, for our sake, the right number, ten point three five, and that's sensitive. And I could go down anywhere on the beach. I could go to. Uh, I could go north. I usually would go to Fort Myers Beach, but I could go to Naples Beach, and I can walk right out into the water. And take my little meter and go like this, and it was ten point three five. Who is mixing that salt? Folks, 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 I'm a diver. Been five thousand hours under the water. I've seen stuff that probably only I have seen. Been to places maybe no man's ever been for and been to before. Possible. I can tell you something from looking at the fish and everything that's in the ocean. There's a God. And He's wise. He's powerful. Wow. I went to my eye doctor. Because when you get my age, you got a doctor for every part of your body. I went to my eye doctor. When you're 20, you got no doctor. You don't even have a doctor. So I go to my eye doctor, and is born-again believer. And he says, Bill, how do you know there's a God? He said, if you knew nothing but a retina. The retina, the human retina, testifies that there is a God, and he's highly intelligent. Beyond our understanding, folks. This is the God that's taking care of us. I got confidence this morning. I'm in good hands. <clears throat> and not all state. We must accept him. Let me read some more. We must accept him and learn his ways. Romans 11, Oh, the depth and riches both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. His what? His ways past finding out. The Bible teaches in some way or another, God is seeking to manifest Himself to every person of accountable age. John chapter 1, verse 9 says, That was the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. What, who is He? Is the true light. There's false light if there's true light. There's a the devil comes what as a minister of righteousness and an angel of light the Bible says, but it's a false light. But he's the true light that lighteth every man. I am I don't have any Calvinists in me because the Bible I just can't see it in the book. God wants everybody to be saved. First Peter three nine. He's not willing to any any how many any any should perish. I preach a sermon. God doesn't always get his way. A lot of people have a misconception that God always gets his way. He don't get his way all the time. If he got his way, everybody would be saved. But if he he did that and forced you to be saved, then he would violate the fact that he made you in the image of God. And the image of God is that you have free choice. You have volition, it's called. And so if you're made in the image of God, you have volition and free choice. He will not violate what he gave you. He will allow you to go to hell forever, separated from the goodness of God forever, honoring your free choice. So how do He try to stop you from going to hell? He sent His only begotten Son, that's how. And Jesus Christ is a testimony of, his, of God's love for you. But He did much, much more than that. He made the heavens. He says in Psalm 8.3, When I consider the heavens the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, the son of man that thou visit him? In Psalm 19.1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament, showeth forth his handiwork. Day into day uttereth speech. That's communication. And night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. You say, what about the heathen out in the dark uh, bush of Africa? He's heard. He's heard. Nature has told him. The things around him are screaming that there's a God. And God is making himself in some way known to every human being. Now, they either desire more knowledge... They censor us a God by what he made, and they say, I want to know this God that made everything. Or they reject the knowledge they have received. If responded to, God will give them more light and more knowledge, and they'll know more of God till eventually they come to being saved in Christ. If they reject the light that they have received and say, I don't want a God that knows everything. I don't want a God that's all-powerful. I don't want a God that directs my life. I don't want a God that's going to bring me into judgment. And they reject that, they are given less light and even put into darkness. You say, Bill, where are you getting at? Okay. Romans chapter 1. Best place in the whole Bible. Verse 19 says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. How much clearer can you be than that? What he's saying is, God himself has manifested the knowledge of him in you. I think by your conscience is one way he does that. Also by that voice you hear once in a while. And he has showed by the the stars, the moon, the sun, and all that's made and everything I mentioned, plus so much more uh, in detail. uh, It just screams there is a God, there's a a creator, there's an intellectual creator that that loves you and has, has given you all this stuff. And even though you may curse him in your language, he gives rain in its season. He gives food when you need it, even if you curse him. That's why Jesus said, love those who hate you. Do good to them who despitefully use you. He said, doesn't God himself does that every day. He gives people who abort babies food every day. Sunshine. The beauty of the sunset. But these will bring them into judgment. Because look at this. Look what it says here in verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen see people want to think it's foggy it's not foggy being understood by the things that are made in other words creation is what testifies to the fact that there is a god even his eternal power and godhead you see by what he's made so that he so that they are without excuse does this tell you how important it is to understand that the worlds were created by God and were not evolved by some haphazard process? You see, you see the you see the war that's going on spiritually, the darkness wants to hide God from you. And the way they do that is they start out by saying there is no God and there is no creator and there is no one that made it. And there's just ha, you're, you're just being swept into the tide of life, but you were made, and now you're going to be gone. Yesterday, I talked to somebody door to door, and I said, "What's going to happen when you die?" And they said, "We're just going to cease to exist." That's evolution. That's not the Bible. And if I may say that's not what's in your heart, you know better. You know better why God's planted it in you. And look at verse 21' a capstone of this. Because that when they knew God, there was they had some knowledge of God by what he created, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. There you go. If you respond to God's light, he'll give you more light. If you reject God's light, you get less light. Are you with me? And you get darkness. It makes sense to me all this what I've said so far when you realize in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 that God's not willing that any should perish. It makes sense that he's put all these testimonies out there, that he's put all these witnesses. We have a veterinarian here. He knows a lot about animals. By the way, he's not a bad human doctor either. Uh, of course, he doesn't do that. It's not lawful, But but he birthed his first child. He was the doctor that birthed his first child. Figure, you know, you can, well, never mind. He's, he's quite adept. But he's seen the, 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 the manifestation of the, of the intelligence of God in animal life and the way they have babies and the way they carry their babies and the way and the way things operate, and even their eyes. Really, a a veterinarian, they do eyes and surgery and spinal surgery. They do all kinds of same things human doctors kind of do. It's amazing. They know. Tom knows. I don't think we should jump in conclusions in life when God comes to you, and it isn't the way you think he should come to you. Now I'm getting to the application. Is God going to come to you in a way you don't think he should? I almost guarantee you it's going to happen, if it already hasn't happened. As soon as he does that, the devil's going to whisper whisper in your ear, he's not doing right by you. One of the favorite sentences the devil says is God is not good. That's one of his favorite attacks. Way back to the garden, he uses the same stuff he used on Adam and Eve, he used the same stuff on you. Why? Why, God isn't looking out for your really your best. You may have had a child. I knew a guy, a preacher, a child ran out in front of a car about, I think she's about 10, 12 years old, and she ran out in front of a car, and got killed. Preacher, he's doing the will of God, pastor in a church, wonderful. Pastor Harold Seidler. A little bit, he used to talk about her a little bit in service once in a while. I'm coming to see, you. I forgot what her name was, but he mentioned her name. I'm going to see you pretty soon. He missed that girl. But he never blamed God for that. That was God's will. Did he understand it? Absolutely not. Who could understand why God would do something like that? Some of you have had similar experiences like that. You've had tragedies come into your life, and you say, how could this possibly work for good? Because the Bible says in Romans chapter uh, 8, verse 28, all things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to His purpose. How could that possibly be true? I've had people sit across from me in my office and say, Preacher, after they described what happened to him, I was horrified and say, Preacher, how could this work out for good? And you know what I tell them? I'm not God. I don't see it. You don't see it. But I believe that God's good. And I believe God tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And I believe that God's gonna somehow, in the big picture, when you get to eternity, show you possibly, if you even want to know by that time, this was a good thing. Huh? Yeah, good. Yeah, it worked out. It worked out. I think of Job, and many of you have heard many times we talk about Job a lot. New people that are saved think it's Job, J-O-B. But it's Job, it's a proper noun. And so Job, one of the oldest books of the Bible, I believe, he had a heart. What did Job do? He was a mighty man of prayer. He was very careful not to sin against God. And look what happened to Job. He became rich. The Bible said he had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and many servants, 10 children. Suddenly, in one day, all that was taken away from him. How could that be good? I believe many people would have become real bitter if that happened to them. I'm talking about born-again people now. I'm not talking about unsaved folks. I'm talking about you people here this morning. If you were wiped out, except for you and your wife. And you know Job's wife. She was not a good girl. She failed to test miserably. She told Job, curse God and die. You know, we men are influenced by our women. How many would say amen to that? Brave souls. Brave souls. We're influenced by our women. My woman has big influence on me. I'll tell you straight up and down, has big influence. She'll come to me sometimes. She'll say, "I think you need to go visit so and so, man." We, I just set it up and do it because I believe God. I've seen God whisper through her. I've seen her bad also, but nevertheless, I think many people get bitter at God and angry at God for what happened to Job. They begin to blame God, accuse Him and begin to use this word unfair. Let's all say it together. I'm going to say it first, and then you say it. Life is not fair. That's what we're all going to say. Ready? Let's start. Life is not fair. Get that out of your vocabulary. Cut it out of the dictionary, because I can guarantee you life ain't going to be fair. You're not going to be rewarded what you think you should have been. You're not going to get the the good things come to you you think maybe should have. You're not going to get promoted when you think you should have. You're not going to get this. And then you might get sick and die on top of all that. Your hair is going to turn gray or it will fall out. That's what Brother Chris is going through. Or your preacher will talk about you. I'll tell you what. Don't blame God. Trust God. Right? You can't blame and trust at the same time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Right? Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't do it. Because if you begin to lean on your own understanding, you're gonna you're gonna hate God and you're gonna blame God because the devil's right here on your shoulder going, He don't care about you. If he cared about you, he would never have let that happen. You've heard it. How many here have heard that? Something like that. I've heard it. I've heard it. And look what Job did in Job chapter one, verse twenty. And Job arose and rent his mantle, his clothes, shaved his head, and fell upon the ground and worshiped. What? And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither or back there. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And this is it in verse twenty-two, chapter one. In all this, Job sin not with sin not, nor charge God foolishly. Oh, when you get the urge to point your little bony sinful finger to God, your little finite bony sinful finger to God, ignorant finite bony finger to God. Foolish, ignorant, bony finger to God. And I could go on and and start accusing him. You don't know squat. It's like a little wheelbarrow, three-year-old, telling his dad, you shouldn't have spanked me. It was wrong. I just hit my brother because he was doing something bad. You don't like that thing. No. Learn to recognize God in your life. Do you really think that the afflictions and troubles that have come about in your life have come about by chance? Do you really? When you know enough about God in the New Testament to Jesus' words, he said, there's not a hair on your head that's not numbered, not a sparrow that falls without God's knowledge. Do you really think that God wasn't paying attention? Do you really think that God didn't know what he was doing? And the truth is, yes, you think he didn't know what he was doing. You think he wasn't paying attention. That's the carnal side of us. That's the flesh side of us. That's the evil one. But as a born-again believer with an indwelling Holy Spirit, you have a witness, a witness of the Holy Spirit, a witness of God Himself, a witness of the Word of God. You could you do better than that. I think of Elijah. Elijah, 1 Kings 19, 8 through 12. Elijah, you know, he had just had victory on Mount Carmel, and he had just slain the false prophets of against of Baal, that had just caused so much trouble. Basically, he won the election by a landslide. And he went and he just eliminated all of the opposition. And he was on his high. He was high, but it was high. Woo-hoo! Three and a half years. He waited for the day that came. It came. God called, he called fire down from heaven. Fire came down amidst them people and says, Jehovah's God. It was finally settled, Jehovah's God. And then this little over-painted woman named Jezebel said, "Tonight, by the night I'm going to have your head. And this mighty man of God stood up against the entire nation by himself. Got scared. I'm not sure what that teaches. But this little woman threatens him, and he runs, right? You know the story. Runs down south, runs to Beersheba, leaves his servant of Beersheba, goes to the Mount of God, Mount Horeb. He goes from Mount Carmel to Mount Horeb. Well, you and I have done that a few times. We've gone from the victory to the defeat, Mount Carmel to Mount Horeb. Mount is the Mount of God. That's where Moses met God. Woohoo! Wasn't for him. He got up under a little juniper tree and he said, "God, take my life. I'm not worthy. I'm not different than any of my fathers. Just take." He wanted to commit suicide. He didn't want to kill himself. He wanted God to kill him. Just take my life. I don't want to live any longer. He was. Would you say this morning that he was depressed? I hope. So. Hope you know that he was down, brother. He was down, depressed. And so, yet the guy knew God's power. And so he gets up under this tree and asks God to die. What, what's God do? He comes as a great wind, and the Bible said the Lord was not in it. He comes as an earthquake. God was not in it. He comes as fire. God was not in it. And the Bible says he came as a still, small voice. And Elijah said, that's God. And he went out. Out of those, out of those four manifestations, that would not be the way I would have thought God would have come. That still, small voice. I'd have thought he's in the earthquake. I'd have thought he's in the fire. I'd have thought he's in the wind. But he was in a still small voice. I think we err greatly when we try to figure God out <clears throat> on how he should come to us. I've given it up. And I'm just sharing it with you. I. I'm not going to try to figure out what God's doing. I'm just going to accept it and trust Him. I'm not going to make a box, an ideological box, and put God in it and say, you can't go past this, you can't go past this, you can't go past that. There are certain things I know about God that He says about Himself. He cannot lie. He cannot deny Himself. I know that. I'll stand on that. I'll bet my life on that there's so many things I don't know about it. You say, well, you got the Bible, brother. That's just, this is just a fraction, a fraction of who God is. This is just your survival manual for this life. This tells you how to make it until you get to heaven. Then when you get to heaven, woo, I have not seen nor ever heard neither entered in the heart of man what God prepared for them that love him. You know you've been tempted to accuse God. You know you've been tempted to look and say, God's not doing right by me. You know you've been tempted what I'm talking about this morning. I have. But I want to end like Job. I want to trust God. I think the three Hebrew boys, i got to quit. Three Hebrew boys. I've been meditating on the three Hebrew boys. You know the story of the three Hebrew boys. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar said, you got to bow down and worship this uh, golden image I made. And the three Hebrew boys said, you know, no. Now, nobody tells Nebuchadnezzar no. And so they say, well, we're not going if, to, if God delivers us, you know, that'll be great. We're not going to bow down. But I like the words, but if not. They gave God room to work. Well, what are, but if they don't? But if He doesn't, I think it's if so be, and if not, I believe I'd love to take time to preach on that. If not, and they just the, they, the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar got mad, and he had the strongest men in his army bind him in their clothes, and he heated the furnace up seven times normally normal heat higher than normal. And he said to the men, get them, throw them in that furnace. And those men grabbed each one of them, three strong men grabbed each one of them them boys and took them up to the opening of the fire. And the Bible says the fire was so hot that when they threw the boys in, the men that carried them up there died. That was big. I got to ask you a question. The Hebrew boys did not know they were going to be delivered. You got that, right? Because they said, if he does, if he doesn't. They gave either option. When in the process of that whole thing, do you think them Hebrew boys were afraid? I'm going to tell you, I don't mind dying, but I don't want to be burned to death. I don't want to be burned to death. And they were facing maybe one of the harshest deaths you could face. And I know they had to be scared. They're human, just like you and me, passions just like you and I have, and they had to be scared. Oh, my Lord, Jesus, or not Jesus, they weren't looking at that time, but Jehovah, save us. And they bound, and they were started going, the guy started bringing them, and maybe God let them feel the heat for a little while, but there was a time in that process of getting to the door that there was no heat. And they were going... I don't know if they were looking at each other or what the deal was. No heat. But the guys carrying them were starting probably to make some noise as they began to get burnt as they carried them in the fire. Eventually, they came up to the opening, and it was so hot that the men that was carrying them, I mean, you, you don't burn to death without, without screaming, I don't think. And they threw them in, and the men died. And I, I believe somehow it was like walking outside today. To the Hebrew boys. A little chilly in here. Chilly in here. Obviously the restrictions were released and the Bible says they walked around in the fire. Walked around in the fire. Why don't you trust God long enough to see that? Trust God long enough to see it. Trust Him long enough to see it. Trust him all the way home, all the way to the opening, where when you get thrown into heaven, because that was heaven for them, because they walked with, I believe, one like unto the Son of God. You can dispute this all you want, I'm good with it, but I think it was either an angel or a pre manifestation of Christ called the Christophany. Will you be willing to trust God? There was an old woman, a young woman. A young woman uh, had eye trouble and they put accidentally the wrong medicine in her eyes and she was blinded. It was horrific. She was blinded. Was that God? A little girl blinded by putting the wrong medicine in her eye? What would mom think? What would, what would a mother in this room think if... You applied medicine to your little girl's eyes and you you blinded her. That was Fanny Crosby. She wrote, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. She wrote, praise Him, praise Him. Whatever the words are after that. She wrote, to God be the glory, great things he had done. She wrote, "She wrote all the way my Savior leads me. She wrote, tell me the story of Jesus. She wrote, near the cross. She wrote, pass me not, O gentle Savior. She wrote, close to thee. She wrote, he hideth my soul. She wrote, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. She wrote, rescue the perishing, care for the dying. She wrote, I shall know him. She wrote 6,000 hymns. She has probably more presence in our songbook than any other person. A blind girl, they asked her one time when she was old, Fanny, if you could get anything you want, would you want your sight back? And she said, oh, no. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You've been blind your whole life, and you don't want your sight? She said, oh, no, because God gave me spiritual sight. God may take something away from you in this life, this precious. But he's going to give something back to you that's more precious. Would you trust him? Father, help us today. Help us today to see it. Open our eyes that we may see wondrous things out of thy law. Help us, O God. I don't know what these folks are going through, but I have an idea that some of them are in deep hardship at this moment or in the next few months. So come, help us as born again believers to just trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com